Still not sponsored by Duncan. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. Morning, everyone. Bing. Oh wait, it's not morning. It's evening. It's so Here. confusing. It's evening in Denver. It's morning somewhere. We're gonna have to do uh, different intros. Nicole was just saying we gotta go to our voice guy and say, "Hey, can you uh, make these actually make sense for the time that the show be like, is on now?" Welcome to. We don't know what this is. It's it's all in flux. We have no idea what's going on. But hey, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. I'm Mark, and I'm Nicole, and this is the the show that was the morning show that is now taking place in the evening. We just call it. The Wood Whisperer Live. TWW Live. Let's go back to that. That was so simple. Our son is asking for more time on his iPad. Oh, my gosh. Can you, can you handle yeah, him? Yeah, I'll handle it. My goodness. Uh, so I want to thank some people who helped support the show. Uh, Scott Morris, Michael Lusk, Don Edelmayer, Mike Smith, and Tim Miley. So there's two ways you can do this if you want to. They're kind of like voluntary subscription. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. Uh, and we've got multiple levels there. Or right on YouTube, you can use their little membership uh, feature. It says join, and you can go there, and it's just a few bucks a month. Um, get some bonuses. Yeah, like, there's... after this show, we do more of this show. It's yeah, called The After call Show. It's called The After Show. Yeah. Uh, but again, we always say money is not uh, you know the most yeah. important thing here. The most important thing is that you watch. Yeah. And then maybe after you watch, or while you're watching, you tell a friend about hey, it. That's all we appreciate. Or speaking, all we want. speaking of money, we got some nice super chats. I'm not saying I don't like money. <laughs> I mean, if we're, if we're getting down to it, <laughs> money's fine. <laughs> Chuck Hart did a nice super chat. And oh, he thank said, you, Chuck. Thanks for what you both do for all of us. What do we do? Uh, this. Whatever this is, that's what we're we do. We're doing it. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. <laughs> uh, so, you know, thanks to everybody who does support us yeah. uh, in that way. We appreciate it. And thank you for being here. Can so, you believe we've been doing this since 2014? Far too long. Far too long. I think it's time to retire. I like you more. I like you. Um, I, there's no way Careful. I can. There's no way I can make a joke and get safely out of it. <laughs> so I'm just going to answer some questions. Just, I, I just like doing the show with you. It's our chance to kind of you know. What's well, funny because it really it really is most days the only hour we get alone together, uh, just between the kids and yeah. bedtimes being all wacky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good stuff. Hey, um, got another one from Gordon White. Okay. Hard for me to find here. $10, past education, $4, future education, expectations, $6, entertainment. Thanks for all of it. Aww. Very nice. <laughs> Sounds like Willy Wonka, given the uh, formula yes, of the, that drink that he made or something. Or was it the drink? I think it was made like a fizzy lifting drink. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, so let's get to our questions. I have questions pre-selected from both YouTube and uh, Patreon for people who are you know, supporting members. But if you're here now, mm -hmm. you can ask a question right in the chat room. Nicole pulls those and kind of peppers them in when, when I give her a second to put one. When in he there. takes a breath. Yeah, I don't take breaths enough. <laughs> okay, let's go to Andy. Andy Moran says, the veneering glue glue up for the back of my bread box project was successful thanks to your info in the guild meeting last week. Thank you. Uh, do you plan to put out a video and plans for the pantry? Well, I, there's definitely gonna be a video. Uh, this particular project was one of those that had so many details and things that I kind of had to figure out as I went along. And I did things in a very 
different sort of experimental way for me. Um, I don't think it's one that any anybody else is really going to want to build. It's so specific for what my mom wanted, right? She wants a little veggie and a potato and onion thing on the bottom. Yeah. And is she it, wants, is it no longer, a, it's no longer. Yes, we did finally uh, agree not to have it tilt out. Yeah. Uh, two other drawers, then a big bread box drawer, and then two double doors. I mean, the whole thing, it's wacky, right? But it's perfect for my mom. So I don't think there's going to be plans, but there will be a video for sure. Is there a video for that? There will be a video <laughs> for that. Oh, fun. Patrick says, is Baltic birch plywood good for a painted project or uh, could you recommend a different plywood? I think for painted stuff, whatever. You know, if it's a good flat, inexpensive plywood, you don't have to pay too much for it, but it stays nice and flat. Um, paint it, sand it, paint it, it'll be fine. Um, I don't think you need to necessarily go to Baltic birch Baltic birch is a great plywood. I use it all the time, um, but I don't think that you necessarily need to go to that level unless you really want the, the sort of structural properties of Baltic birch, um, in which case then go for it. But honestly, man, any plywood for paint is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, Kurt Allen says, I have a large solid wood panel, 25 by 48 for a writing desktop that will need to be ripped to a final width after glue up. It seems my panel would be unwieldy on the jointer due to its size. I was wondering if after you glue up a large solid wood panel like this and then cut it to its final width, do you then typically joint the saw cut edge to remove any blade marks or do you use a hand plane or sanding block? Um, if it's a hand plane, would you opt for low angle jack or a block plane? Okay, let's see if I can get to all those. So I do not generally on big panels hit the jointer after it's, uh, you know, hit with the table saw. Uh, a good quality table saw blade might leave a little bit of a rough cut, but it's not that bad. Typically, a good sanding is all it really needs. Um, but if it's, uh, you know, if it's something where the grain is cooperating with you and you want to use a hand plane, a couple passes of a smoother is fine. If all you have is a block plane, that's fine. Most of my block, I have a couple different block planes. They're all low angle. Um, I just kind of prefer those for the most part. Um, if you go to a jack plane, love the low angle jack, it's one of my favorite planes, uh, that will work too. Um, when you're talking about an edge that was, you know, freshly cut at the table saw or jointed, it's pretty straight. So even if you have a, a longer plane, you should have no problem cleaning up that edge with that plane. You certainly don't need to go to something as small as a block plane. Uh, and a low angle jack will be perfectly fine for that. So funny. Um, there's someone in the chat. Donald Sarvis. Mm -hmm. He is from Springfield, Missouri. Okay. I've been to Springfield, Missouri. My grandfather lived in Hunter, Missouri, and I was had in my head they were close. Yeah. So I Googled it, and it's like two hours away. Oh, no kidding. So my child mind put them a little bit closer Yeah, they were closer together. than two hours. So, yeah, I get hello, that. Donald. When I was a kid, everything seemed further away. Yeah. You know? Mm. Like, stuff that was only 15 minutes to me felt like it was an hour away. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe that's the way my mom made me feel. <laughs> Because anything that was more than 10 minutes away <laughs> was like it had to be a special occasion yeah. to go do that thing. Uh, Novocaine 009 is in the chat and he says, how do you get to the after show? So if you're on Patreon, there's a post that I put up. If you are a YouTube member, it's under the community tab. So if you go to the Wood Whisperer homepage on YouTube, there's a there's a bunch of tabs and it says community and it's a post there. Yep. So that's how you get that. Okay, Fred wrote in. He says, I am in the market for a new 8-inch jointer. I know about straight knives and helical cutter heads, but I came across a spiral cutter head. Uh, what do you know about spiral? Do they have these in planers too? Well, spiral is kind of like that third option. Um, I don't know what came first, whether helical heads came first, like the Shelix 
style heads or what the spirals. But I remember when, when the first time I saw a spiral cutter head, I'm like, ooh, what is that? Uh, but the sheer angle on it is what gives you a nice clean cut. Spiral is fine. Um, but I think if I had to choose, and I think, you know, the different technologies that they use for these cutter heads, there might be something I'm not that aware of. But I feel like a helical head is going to be my favorite in that sense because I could very easily change those little carbide cutters on there or rotate them. Um, a spiral head, you know, and again, I think it depends on which brand we're talking about, uh, how it's actually implemented, how the blades are seated in there. Can the blades be sharpened or are they just simply indexed and you just replace them? Um, but look into it. Uh, but I think if you have a choice, I'm probably going to, you know, I would recommend going with the helical. Uh, Brian, uh, I can't pronounce it. Sure. Brian, he said, you influential SOB. I just, <laughs> I just ordered the rec tech at Meat Church. I hope you're happy. Have a great weekend. I'm happy for your taste buds, my friend. <laughs> rec tech and Meat Church is a killer combo. I really do like Meat Church. I like meat. Um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, I wish there were like affiliate codes. Or I know, like, right? No, maybe we get nothing. maybe like a, some kind of program where I get free pellets or something. <laughs> I've, I've convinced so many people to buy Rectech. There's actually a thread in the Rectech Facebook group right now where someone's like, "I have convinced at least four family members to buy Rectechs. Like, I want a kickback program, <laughs> yeah, right?" So I'm not the only one. Barrio Woodwork says, "Mark, what would you recommend for drilling my own MFT style?" Uh, 20 millimeter holes yeah. on a work. Uh, would you, sorry, not what, what, what would you recommend for drilling? Well, you could be very careful with your layout and just drill. There's a device called the PARF. Is it the PARF something? P-A-R-F. Am I, t am I making that up? No, I'm not. Parf. It's like a jig. PARF guide system. Yeah, 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 you're right. I think a lot of people use that to create the hole pattern. Oh, it's okay. kind of I don't know. Is it a one-trick pony? Are there other things you can do with it? Two hundred thirty-four bucks. Yeah, you better really like making holes, uh, if that's the case. Just making holes. <laughs> last week, just making holes. <laughs> have it. Uh, of course, if you have a friend with a CNC, that'd be really nice. Nice way to go. Uh -huh. But look at the Parf guide system. Parf. 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 <laughs> You're making fun of someone's name, I'm sure. I'm oh, sorry. That's so rude of you. Oh. That's usually my job. <laughs> my bad. Okay, Aaron Pena. He says, uh, watching the executive desk project recently, and I was interested in the wood bleaching that you did. How is that holding up? Can you still see the difference in the cherry that was bleached and not bleached? Uh, did the bleached cherry darken? Well, Aaron, good news. The best way to answer this question is with a picture. Let's do that. So there's a picture of my desk as it looks today that was taken this afternoon. It's beautiful. Um, the, here's the thing. The panels did stay a little bit lighter. The rest of the cherry did darken as you know anticipated. Uh, the, the contrast, I got to tell you, the contrast between the panels, which had the bleach treatment, um, and the rest of the, the desk is not as substantial as it looks in this picture, mm -hmm. right? Like, doesn't this look a little bit more pronounced? It does. It the does. way the light is hitting it? Yeah, yeah. So in person, I could tell you that the difference is almost not even detectable. Um, not saying that I wasted my time doing it, but uh, anyone who saw that series, you might have seen the process I went through. I was cautious because I didn't want to bleach the crap out of it. I just wanted to lighten them a little bit so there'd be some contrast there. So it was an experiment. Um, I think if I had lightened it a little bit more, maybe a longer bleach exposure, I would have gotten a little bit more contrast there, but it, I, it was the first time I tried it, so I was just giving it a shot. Mm. So that's what it looks like today. I have a question from Olive Press. Can Rubio be used for cutting boards? Yes. Yes. Rubio can uh, if you're trusting, you know, here's the thing. 
lot of times with these companies, you, you have to put some trust in them. When they say something is food safe, you just go, okay, I hope you're right, <laughs> you know, and you start using it. Um, you can use it on food contact surfaces, but what they will tell you is that they don't recommend it on cutting boards because as soon as you make that first deep cut, you are now exposing raw wood and the finish, Rubio, is only binding to that very, very top surface. So they, if you look at their website, I think it's in their FAQ, they will say, yes, you can use it on food contact items, but they do not recommend it on cutting boards for that reason. Uh, that said, if you want to use it on a cutting board, I guess it's okay. I, I'm not sure how I feel about it. Here's the thing. Rubio is one of those companies with proprietary stuff going on. And if I don't know exactly what's in the can, I tend to not want to put it anywhere near my food. This is something that I've actually changed my position on over the years. I was a little bit more adventurous in the past and would use varnish and things like that. I still stand behind what I said back then, but my personal preferences have changed and I like to go with things that are a little bit more natural. So I personally, I would use Rubio on a countertop. Don't think I would use it on a cutting board. Uh, Michael said Woodpeckers also makes one like guide system. Oh, really? He says it's expensive. Mm -hmm. What isn't at Woodpeckers? An um, MFT making jig. I like what uh, Joel says here. Wood Whisper for president. Could you imagine? No. You guys, look, generally speaking, if you just take the temperature of everybody, <laughs> everybody thinks the world is going to hell in a handbasket right now, right? <laughs> Not everybody. Do you know how bad Not it would be? Not everybody. A lot of people. Do you know how bad it would be if I was at the helm? It would be so much worse. <laughs> so just much worse, teach, you guys. Just let them teach you woodworking. Let me be a woodworker. <laughs> you don't want me as a politician. <laughs> I'd be so awful. Oh my god. Um, okie I think. Wait, I got one more. I have one from Karen too. It was a late submission. Okay, and then I'm done for uh, work, so okay. that's all you. Ben's Woodcrafts says I'm planning on making a cabinet with a curved front and a matching curved drawer. Um, I'm normally a pretty square furniture guy without much experience with making curved pieces. What's the best technique without a huge learning curve? Well, I got to tell you, man, um, you picked something that's going to have a learning curve. <laughs> like no matter what you do. Getting curved elements to sit properly in a case, like a drawer front, and, and for everything to kind of look right when it's all said and done, it's a process. Uh, making bent pieces, I guess if I could break it down to three things, and I might be missing something, three techniques I can think of. Bent lamination, that's where we cut, let's say just talk about the drawer front. You would cut a bunch of thin pieces, you'd have a bending form, you'd put glue between those thin pieces because they're now pliable, and you would either use clamps or a vacuum press and press it down to that form, and boom, you got your curve. Uh, the second way to do it would be kerfing. You could take a piece of plywood, sometimes with solid wood, and cut a whole bunch of kerfs in the side that you're not gonna see. All those little slices kind of turn it into something of an accordion, um, and you weaken the structure so much that you can get the bend that you need. Um, and then there's coopering. So coopering goes back to barrels, like barrel staves. Uh, if you think about how that's done, you're basically cutting each piece with a slight angle so that as the pieces come together, they come together in the shape of a curve. The trick with coopering is then you, you usually have flat, it's a series of flats and, and you have to um, round all those facets so that it becomes a nice smooth curve. So I think there's a little bit more labor uh, in a coopering process. But there might be more ways to do it, but all three of those represent trial and error and something you would want to get some practice with, and some will probably require specialized tooling. Uh, you do a bent lamination, you're going to probably want a bandsaw, certainly a planer, maybe a drum sander, you know, depending on how much you get into this stuff. So I don't have a definitive answer for you, but those are three things to look into. So Country Boy 007, who are you talking to? Who's Mike? Mike. Where? Mike. 
Any, I thought maybe Mike Farrington was in the chat room it's, for a minute. You know what? I actually used to get called Mike Did you? quite a bit. Well, I mean, it's pretty darn close to Mike. I, yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, so what's... what? He just wants to know what... I, I, I'm assuming uh -huh. he's asking you on what the next build will be. The... Well, I don't know. On the, on the main YouTube channel, the next video to come out will be... Go look at the schedule. Oh. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow, I have my mom's dining table mm -hmm. video coming out. And here's the cool thing. I may have mentioned this the last couple of weeks. Uh, this is a video that I wasn't, a series, I should say, that I wasn't sure exactly what to do with it. Too much info for me to just kind of make a multi-parter. It on, would have on, been a six-part, potentially more. It would have been tricky to release yeah, on the main did, site. Yeah, I mean, we did 12 parts back in the day, but that was well, before anybody was we, on YouTube. No, we still do. I mean, not on YouTube. Not on YouTube. Yeah, okay. Not on YouTube. Do it in the guild. Do it in the guild. So here's the thing. This project, six parts, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this in the guild, but I'm going to make it free. So tomorrow, a video will come out on the main site that's about, I don't know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Quick narrated version. You can see what the project's all about. Uh, but then if you want, you could head over to the guild. No credit card required. You can sign up for that project and actually see what the guild looks like from the inside. Mm -hmm. It's very hairy. It's it kind smells of a, like Cheetos. It, it, for a long time, people had been asking us for a free trial, and this was the best way we knew how to let people in mm -hmm. to see kind of the experience that you get with the guild. And if you're brand new to us and you're like, what is this guild? It is our paid portion of our website that is online woodworking, like an online woodworking school. Mm -hmm. And we've it's been doing that since 2009. Yeah, it's uh, thewoodwhisperguild.com mm -hmm. or just woodwhisperguild.com. Uh, I think that I actually, guys, I think that project is there. I, yeah. I believe I published it. None of the lessons are ready for viewing. That's tomorrow. But if you want to go there now, you could probably hook yourself up with that project. Is it in the store? I think it is. Let me go look. If you go to the, so, someone let us know. Live on the show. Let's do it. I'll go. I'll go take a look. I'm pretty sure it's there. Let's see. You could also. There's, there are actually three projects now that are free. No credit card re required. It's the... Boom shakalaka. Okay, so the dining table with the breadboard ends. Yep. The dovetail step stool and the picture frames. Mm -hmm. So... Yep. Now, it doesn't make you a full member. It gives you a taste of what that community is about and, and how, how... the site works. How the site works. And it's definitely structured with more education in mind. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, you guys want to see something cool? You're talking about your blatchies? My, my piece of wood. So I've got a front door that I'm refinishing. It's alder. Um, and like all the alder in our house, it has been stained without regard to the blotching that can happen with they stain. They did not have any Fs to give. No. I mean, I guess when everything is done like that, yeah. it gives it a little bit more of a rustic appearance. It doesn't look terrible. Um, I mean, we live with it. It looks fine. Uh, but when I have a chance to redo something and something needs to be fixed... I'm starting to think, well, you know, especially after you refinish something, you pull that finish off, you get a stain off of there. Unless you're running this through a planer or a wide belt sander, you're probably not going to get deep enough to get that deep stain out of the, the deepest grain. Um, so when you go to refinish it and you apply another coat of stain on there, um, it kind of is exacerbated by what is left in the wood so that the finished result in some cases looks amazing. Like I did that, remember our old mm -hmm. Western Red Cedar table? When I did the epoxy treatment, refinished it, it looked amazing because it had some of the scars from its previous life, if you will. Awesome. Uh, so I didn't want our front door to get even more rustic looking. And that's what would happen if I used a stain on there and got all that blotch. So I started looking into 
doing a little bit of you know blotch prevention, blotch control. Um, and I played with the formula. It's something I've been wanting to try for a little bit. I will probably do a video on this to okay. show it to you. I want to experiment with it a little bit more uh, using stuff you probably have sitting around the shop and got these results. Uh, one of the one of the real tricks with, uh, well, let me show you what oh, there is. stinks. That's actually my breath. <laughs> it smells like volatile organic compounds. Uh, down here is an area that was just sanded and then treated. What, what I've got here is actually uh, walnut Dark Walnut Danish Oil, Waco brand. Um, so you guys see all that? All this bidness over here. Now look, you might like it. A lot of people do, mm -hmm. it's okay. In this case, I didn't want it. It's called having different tastes. Different tastes, baby. Um, so you see the, the dark spots, the light streaks, all this stuff. A lot of people think it's personality, but depending on your goals, you may or may not want that. Up here is something that was treated with a blotch preventative. Uh, and then I stained on top of that. And you could see it's so much more even and consistent looking. Uh, so the thing is, um, a lot of blotch control, traditional blotch control methods will seal the wood. So let's say you're using shellac. That's a, you know, de-wax shellac is a real common traditional way to do it. You have to be real careful with, with your shellac dilution because it goes from not being completely ineffective to blocking so much of the stain that you change the color and you, you don't fundamentally get the same color. What you laughing at? Country Boy said that, that Mike was my name. Oh, nice. <laughs> Country Boy Mike. He wasn't even talking to me. Um, so you have to be careful. Once you put that on the surface, you're effectively sealing it and now the stain doesn't absorb. So the color you thought you were gonna get, you don't get that color. So what do you notice about this? The colors are pretty much dead on. I mean, maybe a little bit lighter here, but I'm happy with this result. So I'm going to probably make a video about this. Uh, it's a water-based formula that does this, and it worked really, really well. I just got to play with the formula. I got you know try a few more tests out, but thought you might be interested in that. Got a, a super chat right there. A super duper chat from Beagle. What's the best Beagle way to avoid wood. burn marks on wood when using the table saw? A sharp blade, first of all. Um, if you have a good sharp blade and also the right tooth count, that could be very helpful. If you were doing a long rip and you got yourself like a crosscut blade or worse yet, like an 80 tooth plywood blade, uh, that's just too much friction, too much work for those teeth to go through. The heat builds up, you get burning. Um, if you're doing a long rip, you want like a 30 tooth ripping blade in there. Um, so the right blade that's nice and sharp is a good start. Calibration is also an issue. Um, you get a lot of excessive burning if your fence is kind of towed into the blade a little bit, and it doesn't take much, a couple thousands. So as you're pushing, you're going through the cut, your fence is actually causing the work to kind of skew and push left a little bit. So by the time you get to the back of the blade, uh, you're rubbing pretty good on there. So um, a lot of times people will do this, and you gotta be careful with this. If you can accurately calibrate your table saw fence so that it actually kicks out maybe one degree away from the blade, that's a way to, to get a little bit of a cleaner cut at the table saw, but you gotta be careful. You, know, you certainly don't want to do it too much. And I'm serious about like a degree or two at the most. Uh, Luther Woodworks. I would've gotten your question, Luther. <laughs> it's okay. And when I, I, sorry, I, I don't even mean degrees. When I'm talking about that, I'm talking about like a couple thousandths. That's what I meant. A couple thousandths at the back, not even a degree. Anyway, Luther Woodworks. Yes. Super duper chat. When building a piece of furniture, do you take into account the room that it's going in? Uh, when it comes to wood species to match the colors in the room. Not in our house. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am fortunate that um, I, I have understanding family members who don't care if anything matches. I am more of a function. Yeah. She wants something to serve a purpose. Versus. Less concerned about what it looks like. What it looks like. Yeah. 
So I would say most of our furniture in the house is cherry and walnut, mm -hmm. just because they're domestics that I like to work with, um, and they're, they're fun woods to, to work with, and that's what most of the stuff is. But I really, very rarely, intentionally match anything. No. Now, I think, you know, this depends on the client. It depends on what they want. Um, but I, I do think you should, probably. Most people are going to want to see a little bit of a theme there. Uh, but ultimately... Wood is beautiful, right? Yeah. In all of its many forms and colors. Um, so for me personally, there's no way I could conform to a style or anything in particular, or one species. It just would never work for me. Um, so we got a we got a real hodgepodge going on in there. That's fine. <laughs> but I do think if you're doing this for clients, yeah. you probably want to think about that, sure. right? And that's part of your well, your goal when you're talking to a client is to maybe guide them to the right choice. I remember when you did that. Uh, bedroom was it a bedroom set what was that it was mm. um it was fumed mm -hmm. quarter sawn white, oh, oak, white oak yeah mission style uh-huh for chris and daniela yeah yeah and so, that was like a whole set what are we oh yeah well again that was for someone else yeah so not for me <clears throat> <laughs> not, not for me nope <laughs> uh jesus had a question at the top of the show that i missed what is a good air filtration system for paint fumes? Ooh, I don't know. A respirator. A fan <laughs> yeah. pointing out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that's beyond me. I mean, most filters you're going to find are for particulates. Uh, obviously, if you have a organic cartridge in a respirator, that's going to filter the air for you. There's probably a system out there that uses the right kind of cartridges or the right kind of filter medium uh, that would pull that crap out of the air, but I don't have experience with it. Uh, paint is not something I do a lot with, and every air cleaner I have in the shop is 100% focused on dust, particulates, uh, and not fumes. It's my respirator that protects me from the fumes. So good ventilation is a good start if you can do it, but there's probably industrial systems. I'm sure, I'm sure places with like real spray booths and things like that, yeah. they have to, to deal with that. I, I don't know, man. I don't have a good answer. Uh, John Sexton wants to know, what what new projects are planned for this year or next, guild and free projects? Well, the guild, we have the quilt rack that will be coming out eventually. Yeah. We have um, the bar stool chair from Philip Morley. Mm -hmm. We have, what, what's, what's Jory doing? Um, we talked about this last time. I forget. Time, and I, I don't remember. It's like a console, like okay. an entertainment center, oh, okay. low console. Gotcha. It's pretty gotcha, awesome. Gotcha. Uh, we got Brian Benham's, Benham's project. Yeah, night, it's a end table, right? Yeah. Did you mention my quilt rack? Yeah, I did. Okay. The Bentlam quilt rack. That's as far as we know right now, yeah. I think for the guild, that's all the visibility we have. Wait, what about Daryl? Is he working on something? Cause mm. I know he, I thought he was video, doing video. No, it's up in the air. He, okay. he wants to take some time gotcha. away okay. from me. <laughs> Sorry, Daryl. <laughs> oh, I'm a jerk. What are you going to do? It's hard on him. Yeah. Um, it's a very difficult uh, pace for him to keep for yeah. five days running gun and just get it. Well, I like thought that. he was he was trying to film himself so he could spread it out. Yeah, he is. He's trying yeah. to, to be able to go at his own pace. Yeah. So, Just got a super chat in for Donald. Donald, Donald's service. Going to inlay a tasteful amount of wingy. Oh, someone listened to the last show. <laughs> Where I was uh, not too kind to Wengi. <laughs> uh, into one and a half inch white oak slats for a bench. How thick would you recommend the inlay being? Okay, one and a half inch. Well, you haven't told me how thick the slats are, but if the inlay is just decorative, I would make it as thin as you reasonably can. I would say at least an eighth of an inch, somewhere between an eighth and a quarter. 
but the thinner it is, I think, you know, the easier it is to work with. I mean, to an extent, if you go any thinner than an eighth, then it starts to get flimsy and, and goofy. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, eighth inch to a quarter inch deep. You don't need to go deep for an inlay. And I'm guessing if these are slats, they might be thin, maybe half inch or less, depending. So you don't really have a whole bunch of depth that you have to worry about. So keep them fairly, you know, surface. Speaking of Donald, he said that he wants to vote for more beginner videos with me. That it's, is on the list. It is. Fun. It was a fun watch, and you too, especially Nicole, had the best time. It seemed. Yeah. It um, was a, I'm glad. It was fun. I'm glad it appeared to be that fun. I had fun. In retrospect, it was tons I, of fun. Honestly, um, a lot of times when you when you're telling me what to do, I don't like that. I know. But I had fun in the shop. Yeah. I, I didn't mind it so much. You're a threat to my masculinity. Uh, we actually do have a, another one planned. Um, we just haven't picked the project yet, yeah, but yeah. we definitely know it's on the list. Well, now, and hey, it's Teacher Appreciation Week, so if you're in education mm -hmm. or if you're a teacher or staff or anything, I hope you had a good week. That's all I've been doing this week yeah. has been teacher appreciation stuff. So oh, once know. the school stuff slows down, I can refocus my brain. Am I a teacher? Yeah, you are a teacher. I appreciate you. Oh, thanks. That's all I wanted. <laughs> what else you got for me? Uh, Brian wants to know a random orbit sander sure. or a hand sander between coats. A uh, hand. Yeah. Uh, unless I'm doing something big, big conference table or something, like I've got a lot of flat real estate, I generally am not going to take a power sander to anything in between coats of finish. Uh, usually... I can get a pretty good coat on that doesn't have a whole bunch of, you know, things wrong with it that need to be sanded. So I will go back using a light touch and uh, touch up the rough spots and go to my next coat. Um, always by hand for me. Uh, let's see. Karen had uh, submitted a question on Patreon. I saw a video of someone using a seven and a quarter inch blade in a 10 inch table saw. Mm -hmm. The pro said, the pros he says are it's cheaper blades are under $15 saves wear and tear on his expensive blades yeah better quality cut or near as good as the expensive blades uh-huh there's more power better yield on the wood safer quarter and then less dust cons it only has one and a half inches cut capacity mm -hmm. have you ever heard of this what are your thoughts if it's safe it's fine uh, it's something that I don't, this comes down to a different situation, right? My situation says that I can thankfully afford a really good quality blade. I've got a powerful table saw. I don't have to think about stuff like that. But in some cases, if people are being very frugal, mm -hmm. uh, they want to get the best deal and the most out of something, they're going to come up with interesting solutions like that. Um, to me, I think it's way better if you could find the funds to just get a good table saw blade that gives you the capacity. It's not like you know, especially if you get a thin kerf blade and you have an underpowered saw, that's going to help a lot. You don't need to have a full kerf blade in there. Um, but, you know, if that works for someone and, and they're having good results with it and they don't cut anything, you know, higher than an inch and a half and that works for them, who am I to criticize mm -hmm. as long as it's safe? Did you get Ben's, Ben's Woodcrafts question off of YouTube? Ooh, yep, I did. I'm planning on making a cabinet. Okay. Yeah, I did. And I think that's one of the things you do have to watch. you got to make sure that the arbor size is the same. The hole in the blade is the same diameter. If it's not meant for that type of application, 
you might have a fit that isn't quite right. And if that thing has any movement in it, that's definitely problematic. Uh, I want to I just say, Ben, you're the only one that asked a question on YouTube this, this week. So you automatically get the Guild Project. So you can email me. Uh, I think you know my email, Nicole, yeah, the Wood Whisperer. We only had one email yeah, for one so question. If, you're, if you are at the $5 level and up, you can ask questions or even make comments on the post that I put up on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. um, and I just randomly pick a winner for a free guild project every week. Yep. So congrats, Ben. John wants to know, is there a metric version of this show anywhere? <laughs> Can we get that? Like in a closed captioning, the metric version? Yeah. Every measurement I say just comes out in metric. Yeah, right. That'd be good. Uh, translation. Uh, Scott uh, Walsh says that professional blades are cheaper in the long run when accounting for sharpenings. There's a lot of benefits to it, but if, again, I think if you're if you're in a position that you have to be frugal, mm -hmm. you make certain choices that I, I have the luxury of not having to make. Uh, Darren Ditch wants to know, I'm building an end table for my living room and I'm trying to figure out what would be the best finish to use on the top for durability. We've had this question many times. Go ahead, answer, what's my answer, Nicole? <laughs> I think you know um, I, I think it's the one that's easily repairable. No. No. I don't know. Well, my first answer is there well, is no best. Right. There is no, no best, best finish. But we have kids, so they're going to mess with it no matter what you do. Yeah. So this comes down to, do you want a film finish that's protective, that puts a layer on top of it and definitely will provide some protection, but when damaged, tends to look like crap and requires a lot more effort to refinish if and when that time comes? Or are you the type of person who says, well, I know this is going to get damaged, so I want a lighter duty finish that's easy to repair. So when there's a big scratch, that's I just give a little bit of a, yeah, just a little buff out, a little sand, and then I reapply some finish and it's done, right? So you have to decide which, which side you want to be on. And both of those are perfectly valid ways to go. Um, I have, over the years, I've used a lot of wiping varnish in the past. I think it's a great finish for things like that. Certainly for an end table, I think it'd be great. Armor Seal is one of my favorite products out there. Uh, water locks, things like that. Uh, over the years, I have like sort of gravitated toward hard wax oils. Sorry, my mic's being stupid. Uh, hard wax oils have been something I've been using a lot lately, and I'm very much on the other side, right? So if there's damage, I can now repair it very easily uh, just by giving it a little sanding and hitting it with some more finish, right? And I'm letting the wood really do the lion's share of the protection. If you use a good quality hardwood, you've got that built in, right? If you're using pine... You might. Well, we have hickory floors, yes. right? And I dropped, what was it? A screwdriver. Uh -huh. Dropped a screwdriver on the floor. Now, the finish on that floor is probably pretty heavy-duty stuff, yeah. right? But if that floor was made out of alder, like my door is, I don't care what finish is on it, it's probably going to dent, right? But it was hickory, and hickory is really, really hard. So a lot of times the ultimate, like, the, the durability in a piece of furniture is gonna come from the wood itself. And it's actually a lot less important what you do with the finish. The finish is really just there to, to help you avoid, you know, moisture penetration and, you know, a little bit of mild abrasion, things like that. Uh, call me Matt, oh, no, 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 I did a nice super chat and said, here, have a Corona on me. Ah, nice, I'm having... oops, I banned him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimate slap in the face when I accidentally hit the band. Thank you for the super chat, you're banned. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat. Here you go. I'm Get out of here. I'm having Tang tonight. Is uh is Call Me Mac in Mexico? I think so. I see MX. Yeah, that's... Near that. the um, the monies. Yep. <laughs> Message deleted. 
Oxford. Did you unban him? I did unban him. Okay. Yeah. Let me make sure. Here, I'm going to add that to the broadcast just to make sure it gets the highlight he deserves. <laughs> okay. uh, guys, I don't know why. The, the, I'm going to have to tell the people who make this software. Well, can you move that ban button? It's over on this side. Add to broadcast is on the left side. But when you use a piece of software for years that hasn't had that there <laughs> oh, at all, yeah. you just don't expect it. <laughs> and then you got another super chat down here from Well, you guys are Mark. being generous. It must be Woodworking Teacher Appreciation Week. <laughs> That's, I think, what's going on. Okay, Mark Wida or Wida yeah. or Wida says, on a bandsaw, what's a good size blade to cut curves? And does it depend on the wood species? Not really. Not really. You know. Um, I don't think it really depends too much on wood species. I go from one species to another. Uh, it usually just comes down more to like physics um, and, and geometry. Uh, so how tight of a curve can a particular width bandsaw blade take? So the, the more tight curves you do, the, the smaller the blade needs to be. So if you're going to do like an Alex Snodgrass reindeer and you're going to be like zip, 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 you want something that's like an eighth of an inch, you know, or a you know, quarter inch at the most. Pretty, pretty tiny blade or three sixteenths, whatever. Um, so same thing goes, you know, for the curves you're cutting. If you're just doing long curves, maybe curved aprons and things like that, nothing too tight, you know, you're fine with a half inch to three quarter inch blade, um, but you got to go wide, you know. For me, I actually like a half inch blade. I, most of the curves that I cut are not really tight curves. So my, I use my 14 inch bandsaw for that. And on that guy, what do I have over there? Probably like a, a 3 16th blade, I think, is on that one, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so if I need to like make tighter curves or do scrolly type things, I could do it on that blade. For me, though, a good all-around blade on my main bandsaw is going to be a half inch. Let's uh, see. Got a question. I, um, uh, Joel wants to know, best tools to start a cutting board business? Please. I'm a beginner. Hmm. Well, here's the thing. Hmm. There's a there's a lot of YouTube videos that doesn't um oh drunken woodworker he's not that anymore <laughs> Dave Pachuto Dave Pachuto make something he he actually has a lot of great videos mm -hmm. talking about starting up a business we don't we don't have a woodworking business we have a education business here mm -hmm. but so. he's talking about tools yeah he just wants to know True. you're making cutting boards what tools. This may not be the best answer because you're a beginner, you're just starting, but you're also talking about starting a business, right? Mm -hmm. So be careful with those two things. Um, it can be dangerous to start a business in something you're a beginner at. Yeah. Right? And cutting you have boards, to be careful. Cutting boards, especially end grain cutting boards, can be finicky. She ain't lying. Because we've had people post in, I think it was the Den our Denver group, yeah. where they show, like, the customer sent them a picture of the cutting board and it's split in two. Yeah. And what happened? What happened? And somebody said, they put it in the dishwasher. There's the watermark right there. Yeah. So. You got to be careful with it. Yeah. But to answer your question, if I were starting a cutting board business, the tools that I would want, I would want a jointer and a planer because I want to be able to mill all these parts myself. I'd want a table saw so I could rip these parts down or cross cut if I'm doing like an end grain design. Um, I probably would eventually, you may not need it right away, but I would eventually have a drum sander or a wide belt sander because a lot of those end grain designs, oh boy, do they take a long time to mm -hmm. sand, right? Um, so, you know, maybe work up to those at some point. Uh, you know, things like a bandsaw, all the other tools in here, maybe not nearly as necessary. Um, probably want to get a router because you're going to want to put a little edge profile on there, maybe a juice groove around the outside or handles or something like that. 
Um, but I think you could probably just with a table saw make a lot of cutting boards, right? And mm -hmm. if you really want to get into this, increase your production rate, increase your quality, then you're going to want the milling tools, the jointer and the planer. There you go. You see more super chats? Um, well, I got a Darth Platitude question here. Can you tell me what part of the blade is matched to the riving knife? So I want to make sure I got this question right. So riving knife sits behind the blade, mm -hmm. right? And it helps prevent the wood from going into the blade. Generally speaking, at least this is what I was always taught, you want the right side, if you're facing your table saw, the right side of the blade to be flush and even and you know in the same line with the right side of the riving knife. It's not as important what happens on the left side. The goal of the riving knife is to prevent that piece from coming back into the blade. So if it is anywhere this way, if it's to the left of the blade, that's no bueno. That's not going to help you at all. The, the piece can still come back into the back teeth and then you're in trouble. So it's got to be at least flush with that outer surface of the teeth. And if it goes any further this way, then it's going to start to act a little bit like a feather board, right? It's going to kind of pressure you into your fence, which is not necessarily what you want. So I try to make mine flush to the right side of the blade. Hopefully that was what you were asking. Scott Roy, do you have any videos on Shushu Ban? Is that how you say it? Shushoji uh, Ban? Shushoji. Sushi Ban. I do not. Never did it. Looking to make an outside bench. Uh-huh. I saw you guys know um, uh, Tamar from 3x3 Custom. Mm -hmm. uh, she just did a soji ban, shoji ban thing, burning wood thing. She actually had a great post explaining the terminology and yeah, how cool. shoji ban is actually nonsense. It yeah. doesn't actually mean anything. Really? It was like a translation error or something oh. that happened. Uh, but that there's actually another name for it, the proper name. So I don't know if she did a video on that, but uh, her content's great. Uh, I'm gonna link to her channel, give uh, her some love. 3x3 Three Three Custom is her channel. We're gonna put it in the show notes if you miss it. Mm -hmm. Go check out Tamar. I got the best story. Look at, oh, she did a cool guitar. Yeah, she does all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I have the best story about her. We are at uh, Workbench Con, yeah. right? So we're, we're just walking around and I, I saw her and she was like, hey. I was like, hey. And <laughs> that was it? Yeah. That's pretty much how it went. Um, <laughs> what else? I did actually meet her. At yeah, I, <laughs> but it was mostly uh, like that. Yeah. I'm not that talkative no, in person. No, he's not. If I'm not near by, it, it's hard. Yeah, I had to hide behind Matt. I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> he loved it. Uh, Richard T says he's building a shaker workbench. How far apart are the dog holes on your workbench? I don't know. Are these are these dog holes right here? No, these are um, holdfast the, holes. Oh, those are holdfast. Aren't holes. they four inches, four and a half inches? I don't know the exact number. One. It looks three inches. All my measuring tools are elsewhere. Hold on. Hang on. Hang on. Coming at you. See, this is where a tattoo of a measuring. <laughs> yeah. Until I get flabby. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on center, we're looking at five inches. Oh. Yep, Wait five inch on center. Wait. Is that five inches? No. That's that's almost three. That's a little over you're, three. You're, you gotta think like a person who does woodworking. Yeah, I'm not that. Five inch on center. Okay. Is what you meant to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What else? Uh, there was a super chat that you missed. You gotta uh, go up. Uh, oh, keep going up. Durr. While you're looking for the super chat, I'll uh, read you Michael C's question. Hey, Branson, Missouri. Hey, Branson. Rodney Widger says, up there. hello. Okay. 
Um, George Wirt. Did you see that? I didn't even touch it and it banned him. George. Ironically, the guy who gives us $5 to say, please don't ban me. It's like they want to. They want I ban the guy. You want to. It's like, ban me. I should screen cap this and show you how close it is and how easy it is to accidentally hit that ban button. <laughs> I really oh, got to tell them that, to make that thing. That was pretty funny. Okay. So Michael says, I just bought a Grizzly uh, 4845Z uh, drum sander. Okay, good. What is the best way to use the variable speed on the feeder? Uh-huh, sure. As to the size of the place. Of the piece. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, of the piece that you're sanding. I need glasses. Well, generally speaking, with a drum sander, I would say if the dial goes from here to here right from like what six o'clock to twelve o'clock uh ignore the second half of the settings all right generally speaking you want things to go fairly slow through a drum sander and you want to take very very light passes uh, if you go through too fast you tend to have problems you could have burning um, i almost never go beyond the halfway point for my speeds uh, the halfway point is what i consider the top speed um, you know, and I guess it does. It certainly is going to depend on the, the width of the board. If you're bogging down the drum because you're taking a deeper cut and you're doing something 24 inches wide, yeah, you got to be careful with that. But I think the, the speed is actually something I don't vary quite as much as the drum height, right? If I take a very, very light pass, I just stay on the same speed the whole time and take very light passes as I go through. Um, so that's just the way I use the tool. Other people may have different you know, methodologies that make sense. Uh, but for me, it's mostly the height that I'm thinking in terms of how much am I taking off? Am I taking too big of a bite on too wide of a board and it's going to bog down the drum? Um, not so much the speed. Uh, Tommaso, Tommaso said, new Patreon donation level at $5. You get banned on the live show. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Robert Fisher did a super chat. And he oh, said, thanks, Robert. Well, $9.99, get me a sticker. Uh, it's hard for me. So here's the thing. Yes, I'll if give you, you well, if you went to the store, yeah. you could have spent less than nine ninety nine and like gotten a sticker. Ninety nine cents on the store. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll send you a sticker. You need to email me. It's it's a matter of organization at this point. So if you email me Nicole at thewoodwhisperer.com, I'll send you a sticker, Robert. This came up. Where did this come up? Someone mentioned this. Whose post was it? Tim is asking who would survive the zombie apocalypse. Mark, Matt, or Shannon? Uh, here's the thing. I know everybody's saying that, you know, Shannon does oh, all the it's biking. Oh, Rock, Rockler, it came up in the guild group because Rockler has... Oh, the three pictures. Okay. Shannon's holding an axe. Uh, I think Matt's holding a chainsaw. Yeah. And you're holding, I'm a, holding a camera. video camera. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When you get that done and they go, we need some pictures, it's like, what do we have? Okay, yeah. this is what I have. Yeah, That's yeah. what Matt had. I don't think Shannon would, you know, the thing is, speed is only part of the game when we're talking about zombies. It's actually, you know, brawn is only going to get you so far. Speed is only going to get you so far. You know what saves you in a zombie apocalypse? This. Mm. Yes. <laughs> You're like the spindly little kid you last kid be, on Earth. Yeah. You got to be smart. You got to have the smarts. All right? <laughs> yeah, you need to run fast. I could run okay. Yeah, you run okay. I could run okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. So I actually, my <laughs> money would be on Matt, at least initially, because mm. he's, he's got some power over mm -hmm. there. Like, he could mow zombies down with some of the crap he's <laughs> this got. This is true. He on, just, on his, uh, until he runs out of gasoline. Yeah, the Cremona plantation up there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I would say I would still probably be the one to go first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd be like, they love me! 
Okay. Uh, what else uh, we got? Richard T., thank you for joining uh, the YouTube members. He get, you get an access to the bonus show after this, which we're getting ready to go do. Yep. Um, so if you are on Patreon, I'll put the link in the chat for you to easily click to get to the video. If you are a YouTube member, just head on over to the main channel page and under the community tab, there'll be a post for the after show. Mm -hmm. And we'll just hang out. We could talk yeah. woodworking or we could talk about movies, TV shows, comics, video games. Whatever. Talk whatever. Kids. Raising kids. Come over and bitch about your kids. It's Whoa, okay. you just cursed the call. How dare you? <laughs> okay, so we're done? Okay, well, thank you, everybody, for hanging out. Apologies to those who I banned. <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, and we hope you have a wonderful weekend. And again, look out for that video tomorrow or go to the Guild site right now and uh, secure your place, you know, just in case the website goes down or something. Hey, we'll be back Thursday, next Thursday. We're here every Thursday night at 6.30 Mountain Time. Yes. 8.30 uh, Eastern. What's up, Josh? QOS, QOS oh, to you all. Hey Josh, we haven't QOS in forever. I've had a, there's been a few uh, familiar faces I haven't seen in a while in the chat room. Everybody's busy. Okay, well, have a great weekend, everybody, and we will see you next time. <laughs> Bye.